0: You are listening to the Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is Daniel Howitt's interview with the director for Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget, Sam fell Life doesn't get better than this. We've put the past behind us. Oh, we have Molly to think about now.
1: What a bonnie we had. I made her a bicycle. Oh, what a lovely thought.
0: She is a lot like you.
1: See you later. Hmm. Mom, can we go over there? You've got everything you want right here.
0: You can't make me stay here. <gasps> She's left the island. What is that? Huh? Ah! Molly! The truck's taking chickens to some kind of farm. Well, hey, that doesn't look so bad. Oh, that looks so bad. Who knows what horrors Molly is dealing with in
2: there. Sam, how are you doing? Uh, great, thanks, Daniel. Yeah, yeah, nice to meet you. Yeah.
1: You as well. Yeah. You know, I have such vivid memories of seeing Chicken Run in theaters when I was a kid. Oh, great. Uh, I was so thrilled to jump back into the world. Uh, so thank you for your movie. Glad that oh. I've, I've seen it and high, highly enjoyed it.
2: Oh, good. Oh, that's great. Yeah, no, it's, it's funny because there's a, like a, quite a lot of people that love the first one, you know, like you have that memory and that love for the first movie, it's quite deep, you know, it's kind of, like yeah. it's been like the big. it's been the big challenge, to be honest, is like how to kind of like this is so much later now. Yeah, to kind of bring it back and kind of like really um, still honor the first one for the people that love it because you guys have got some kind of ownership of it almost. You know, mm-hmm. like I, feel, I feel like you know, many
1: people like absolutely. It. No, I understand that, and it's been a while since you've worked for Ardman Animation. Yeah. So how did you how did you get the call to say hey let's let's make this sequel?
0: It's
2: weird. I was in, and this this doesn't usually happen, but I was in Number Ten Downing Street um, at a party, where and. For animation, it was a British animation celebration, and Number Ten Downing Street. They do these events uh, for industry, and it was the animation celebration. And Peter Lord was there, and uh, he came up to me and said, uh, "You know, we we think we've got it. You know, it's it's this time they're breaking in." And it Mm. was that. It was that simple. That was the pitch. And it was like, as soon as he said it, it was like, "Oh well, that's fun." You know, like Arben doing the heist. You know, Arben doing. Chicken Impossible and just every, it's just what sort of promises so many things. You know, you just think about it for a few minutes. You're like, oh, great. Yeah. All the, all the ingenuity of the heist, the, the the props, you know, the visual gags, chickens as action heroes, you know, like take, to remove Tom Cruise, replace with a ginger
1: chicken. It's, you know, it's, yeah.
2: So I was sort of pretty much in right away
1: there. Amazing. So that's what I was going to ask is, were you in right away or did it take like, hey, we've got to make sure, that we feel good about this. I don't, you know, because it's a risk taking, you know, making a sequel so long.
2: Yeah. You know that, I mean, it's, yeah, I was right in, but that's typically typical of me. I just jump, jump in. And then I'm like, oh, ah, ooh. (laughs) So it did. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It wasn't, we, we, we were all in, but then it actually has taken six years. Like I've been doing it for six years, which is longer than normal. Like Paranorman took me three. So like, once we got in there it was like oh wow this is tricky it's tricky because of the the time between the two it's tricky because so many people love it it's so it seems to be so deeply ingrained in the culture somehow it seems to be one of those movies that's that's really seeped in across a lot of generations over a lot of time and a lot of people say this was my childhood you know and it's kind of amazing you know like you, you know you saw in theaters, but you know, I, you know, last week I had a nine-year-old say to me, "This was my childhood." <laughs> like the first movie, <laughs> and I say, like, "But you are a child." So I think it's been available <laughs> and it's been, you know, on various formats forever. So yeah, that was that did sort of slow us down actually, and we really did spend a lot of time before we got start before we got into production, like figuring out like the 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 right story, and yeah.
1: How long ago? You know, so if you've been on this project for six years, when did, how long ago did you feel like you, okay, now we have the story, we've got the script, let's make yeah. this thing.
2: Well, it was, it was the the first two years we were kind of like building the plot out, which was like, they're going to they're gonna be on the island where they finished, they're going to have a kid, they're going to be happy, but then they're going to like someone's, they're going to need to go and address this dawn of the you know the 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 advent of a new kind of farming and a new kind of um, food production out on the mainland one of them's going to get captured uh and they're gonna have to go rescue because we wanted to do heist but chickens don't care about diamonds and money they would have to be breaking in to kind of get something valuable out and we knew it would be one of one of their kind or what someone they knew loved uh we had a different villain um Dr Fry was the villain uh, and they were going to go in and kind of rescue uh, their loved one and stop this awful thing happening at the same time. And that, 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 and that took a while, but it was more centered around Rocky. Uh, yeah. And he had a son and the villain was male, Dr. Fry. So it was, it was very male. And I think it was kind of deliberate in a way because it was like, well, the first movie we did Ginger, let's shift this focus over to Rocky, let's have a new villain but so that was our big kind of that was the big moment really when everything shifted because we we were kind of we had a big screening and it didn't feel quite right it was already going into the screening it didn't feel quite right we were just like you know what I think about the first movie it's like it had an amazing female protagonist and a brilliant sort of female ensemble yeah. and actually that that's the female side of things we had kind of like lost a bit uh and it felt like well that is actually it's fundamental to the dna chicken run is, is is ginger so when we shifted to ginger that was when it really clicked um so we said like think about ginger she you know she she's got everything she wanted right she was the freedom fighter she was the one at the center of the first movie the heart of it she wins freedom she creates this paradise she settles down with rocky her guy now and she lays an egg and it's all good what could go wrong what's going to be the next challenge so egg cracks open out pops molly which is basically she's basically a chick off the old block you know she's like ginger she's a freedom seeker in her own right and like what a surprise for ginger to discover that this freedom that she always dreamed of and that she's provided to molly is in fact in molly's mind not freedom (laughs) it's kind of like a little bit of a you know it's not a prison but you know it's not something that Molly's going to want to like live in for the rest of her life you know and like that conflict that, that came from that was just great it just really sort of sparked off a a deeper story for us same plot exactly the same plot um but then when we started thinking about Molly wanting to go out off the island to find her own adventure uh, it led to her being captured, and uh, you know that gave us the story we have now. And then the final piece, piece that dropped in at exactly the same time, pretty much, was like to think of Tweety as the villain because Ginger's haunted by Tweety. You know, it just it just gave it more depth. You know, than some stranger. You know, it's like you know, you know, we kept talking about like Ripley and aliens, and how she's like completely traumatized by the alien and doesn't want to go back down on the planet and says no thanks uh and but she has to right she's got to, the, the hero's got to go out and face the deepest darkest fear and conquer it in order to move on so dropping Tweedy in there that way that it kind of really that's when we knew that's when I was like right this is the story mate I, I'm so confident in this it feels so right and now we can start building and really go 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 for it and it didn't really change much from there you know like everything mm. else was really all about making the comedy and the pace and you know the action and everything work but those were that was the fundamental you know those were the key elements that that, that pulled it together
1: do you find it often the case in stop motion that it's harder to crack the story i i would think that production would be more difficult the visual gags all of those things would be harder to come by but it sounds like the story was the hardest part on this film
2: i think all animated feature makers would say the same thing would say it's the story ultimately because it takes so long to make and I think to be honest it is it requires more discipline to make a stop motion film there's there's less um, flexibility in stop motion so and it takes so long you 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 have to really really love the story because it's gonna the, the labor involved for everybody it's not worth their time. You know, you're going to be taking three years of people's lives here. You know, mate. it's got to be worthy. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's a story. Yeah, It's mm. good.
1: Well, you already referenced some. I'd love to hear, you know, the first film was so inspired by, like, The Great Escape and those sorts of films. So this was heist films. So uh, yeah, you, already, yeah. you already mentioned Mission Impossible. Tell me more about some of the influences on Dawn of the Nuggets.
2: Yeah, so Chicken chicken Impossible is definitely, like, the the, the part of it. Like, at the beginning, let's say Act 1, looked at, um, I think it's Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. It's the second one, isn't it, where, like, it begins with Caesar and the apes up in the forest there, away from the human world, and kind of, like, living their own lives and quite happy out there. And it's only really an encounter with humans that kind of sparks trouble again. So I loved that uh, situation. You know, I thought that was very interesting. Um, You know, talked about Ripley. Yeah, so then they then the high staff, like the you put all the bonds, the early bonds, mm. the, con, the Connery bonds, you know. And uh, but then once we get in there, it was kind of we were looking at a lot of um kind of sixties sci-fi type stuff, you know, and there was an obsession with brainwashing in the in the sixties, you know, there's like the Stepford Wives and the Manchurian candidate or the Ipcrest file that whole sort of level of unreality even the prisoner you know like not it wasn't a direct reference but that, that kind of like what is real and what is not real that kind of went on in sort of like the 60s kind of movies and also Gerry Anderson just for the look you know like the Thunderbirds and that was really helpful to us because it's British miniature model making uh, and all the effects like the water and the sparks and the fire and Gerry Anderson were like real practical effects but like done at a miniature scale so like the splashes in the water are like the wrong look like they're done in your bath and so it's kind sort of that lo-fi kind of look uh so that yeah that was all yeah you say 60s sci-fi even Logan's Run actually you know like the, the way they sort of chicken the, the people kind of go up into sort of heaven uh in 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 that weird environment when they get too old and probably soil and Green in there somewhere I suppose you know like these are all sort of and the modern the modern time one was the Truman show as well, just that 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 world of the unreal, you know, and like what is real and what is not real. Yeah. So quite amazing. a few references.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are so many great visual gags and jokes. The for me, my favorite was the eye scanner flipping oh, cool. <laughs> through the book. That was just ridiculous. Yeah. I, yeah. I love it. So, what, what what were some of your favorite like little visual gags that you that you sprinkled throughout the movie?
2: That's definitely one. Of, that's probably one of my favorites too. You know, because it was just like low-fi. You know, like for all this kind of big kind of tech, technology thing, it turns out it's just someone with a book. And <laughs> it. I just like that mixture of. That getting everything like lo fi and kind of like slightly crappy, you know. I thought that was uh, if you go use that word in the magazine tonight, but it's uh all of the break in I enjoyed, you know, like we spent ages on that, and even just simply like pumping up a rubber tire to make a hole to jump through an electric fence and then popping it and it just disappears instantly. I just thought that was just so, so clever, you know, and real, you know, and because I think all of that stuff through there, it, it could really happen. That was just that's important to us you know like it's because it's stop-motion there's a physicality involved in it um and so it's all figured out so it could really work you know and they do all the props actually do really work Mm. yeah yeah ginger yeah so yeah i think uh it's a lot of verbal so i really enjoy that 2d film in the middle you know where they kind of like happily explain how how, you know all all the happiness Mm. of
1: chickens that's amazing you you started your career at, at Ardman, you know, in the 90s and and then made your your debut with Flushed Away, your feature debut, I should say, with with Flushed Away, which, you know, now you have the kind of the rare distinction of having directed a CGI Ardman uh-huh. film with yes. the same Ardman look. Yeah, uh, yeah. And now directing a stop motion feature again with that that classic Ardman look. I was seeing Nick and Fetcher, the, the rat characters in, in Dawn of the Nugget. Just flashed me back to mm-hmm. Flushed Away. Yeah, uh, h- how different were those two experiences for you, Flushed Away and and now Don of the Nugget?
2: Really, I mean, just m- massively different. Really, I mean, they're both British comedies, you know, and that's uh, their heart art, and British comedies. So their their root are the same. But yeah, the. We went to DreamWorks Animation over here in Los Angeles to make Flushed Away. It was, I mean, honestly, it was a really great experience because all of the people here were so enthusiastic about Aardman. Uh And there's a love for Aardman around the world, you know, in all the studios. So there was, a, yeah, just the enthusiasm for, for Aardman was just so great. And they are incredibly clever and brilliant at what they do, you know, at, at DreamWorks. And so they, really brought that game to it. And so it was it was amazing. It's kind of like driving a monster truck, you know, because like Albans is quite a small studio and it's quite sort of homemade. And then like something like DreamWorks is just a it's just a bigger machine. So it was actually fun to do, to be honest. It was fun to do. But it was very hard to translate some things from one to the other, you know? So like the clay is was the most interesting to me because the clay face, which we still have, and it's super old technology, basically. It's just like literally moving clay a frame at a time. But clay is the most incredible material. Like it can move in any direction at any time, and it can take any form and any shape. Uh, and it's completely sort of reacts to any tool or hand movement. It's very instinctive. But incredibly sophisticated. So when they tried to make that those faces in CGI, they found it really, really difficult. Like it, they had their top rocket science rocket scientists on it, and it took them forever to figure out. It was like kind of mind blowing for them to to be asked to do something that looks that simple, but is like that complicated. So uh, so yeah, there were there were definitely some massive technical challenges, and I don't know. I think it's the, the what's been great for stop motion now is that stop motion's advanced this century into a sort of a semi-digital medium I mean it is a digital medium now you know and so all of the digital augmentation that you get in any kind of live action movie you know like green screens or rig removes or digital doubles or map painting set extension all of that all of that lexicon of um that toolbox is now available to stop motion so we probably could have made flushed away like Dawn of the nu- you know, like Dawn of the Nugger. Uh, if we were doing it now, we probably could. Have, we probably could do the hybrid.
1: What did you learn in those early days at Ardman about storytelling and and directing that you still take into projects today and all the features you've made? It's like
2: a, a simplicity is key. I think you know, like they kind of, there was a, there's a phrase KISS, keep it simple, stupid, and it's like there's something about stop motion back then because you had to do it all in camera you know you're shooting on film and you had to kind of commit to your ideas quite strongly and quite early because you only get one go you know you get basically you get one take in stop motion and you don't get to edit and change and so there's that discipline uh about sort of finding your idea keeping it simple always thinking of an audience like not just making it for yourself but like trying to think of how are you going to kind of like tickle people or like, you know, nudge, you know, get, get you know, communicate to people and like get, think very clearly and then deliver it in a simple way, you know? And I think that's still true in Dawn of the Nugget, you know, like all the animators still work like that. And we, st- we do a lot of preparation and we talk a lot and we think a lot about how the audience is going to kind of like get this joke how it's going to work for them and like we strip everything else away we don't want it to be too complicated Uh, so we strip it down so it's like the clear the clearest kind of way to deliver a joke and then we commit to it and go for it whereas in CG you don't you kind of it takes many 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 more iterations you know and it kind of winds its way around the the houses a lot more before it becomes the simple thing it should have been in the first place (laughs) <laughs> it's amazing yeah
1: well you know i also love paranormal and this and this summer oh, right. i got to go to seattle and go to the the museum of pop culture and see the Ooh, whole leica nice. exhibit there for oh, the first time oh, uh wow. what's yeah, wh- yeah. what's it like to be a part of an exhibit like that I'm, I'm i'm assuming that you've seen it
2: yeah 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 no i have yeah no it's um those, those objects become more magical as the time goes on to me you know I mean for me personally they just bring back so many great memories but it's an object it's it's tactile you know and what I I love those exhibitions because honestly that's what makes stop motion unique and I think when you go to the exhibition you understand why we want to do it because I'm walking around there every day on a stop motion movie like I literally everywhere you look things are being made and those objects are there you can pick them up and You know, you make a CG movie, you go in a room with a lot of people sitting at computers, you know, which is, I mean, they're they're still human, they're still artists and everything like that. But there's just something about being that toy, that sense of it being like a toy shop and childlike feeling and the craft that goes into every object and went into, you know, like because we figured out this look for paranormal and it was always a bit wonky, you know, so you go down into like even like a coffee cup. It's just got its own little language and its own kind of feeling, you know. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad people can see those things as pieces of art. You know, it's great.
1: Yeah, it's it's really amazing mm. to see and gives you a greater mm. sense of the scale of the thing. You know? Yeah, it's really yeah,
2: amazing. yeah. It is big. Yeah, they're big productions. these Yeah.
1: Sam, again, thank you so much for the movie. I really enjoyed it uh, and I can't wait for more people to discover it.
2: Nice one, Daniel. Yeah, well, thanks for helping us get the
1: message out there. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Daniel Howitt's interview with the director for Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget, Sam Fell, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget is now available to stream on Netflix and is up for your consideration for this year's Academy Awards for Best Animated Feature Film. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts.